You're listening to Soundside. I'm Mike Davis. If Seattle had a soundtrack, I think it would be jazz. Not grunge, not for the Seattle I grew up in. There's a connection between black Seattle and jazz. From the history of places like the Black and Tan Club, where you could see live jazz on Jackson Street in the early 1900s, to the award-winning jazz band currently at Garfield High School. You can even see the influence in Seattle hip-hop, where local rappers often infuse their instrumentals with jazz. So when the movie Thin Skin opens with the sound of a trumpet, it feels like Seattle to me. It's the story of Ahamefule Oluo, a newly divorced father who spends his days working a soul-sucking office job while at night he works on what he truly loves, his music. Thin Skin features an ensemble cast, a who's who of local celebrities. It was directed by filmmaker and associate editor of The Stranger, Charles Mudede. It was co-written by Ahame Fule, who plays himself, and his wife, Lindy West. Aham's sister, Ijoma Oluo, plays herself, and comedian Hari Kondabolu plays Aham's doctor. But this is not an artistic portrait of Seattle. This is a portrait of an artist in Seattle. The city itself isn't overly romanticized. It feels like an authentic view through the eyes of an artist struggling to balance passion for the arts with the reality of an unfulfilling corporate job. And then Oluo speaks to his father for the first time in decades and things take a turn. I'm a musician. I play the, I'm a musician. That's my job. No, musician is not a job. You cannot support a family with musicians. You need to go to school. You need a real career with advancement opportunities. The film moves in directions I couldn't have imagined. It leaves you contemplating the connections between family, responsibility, and finding what you love. Thin Skin is streaming now. Aham is out of town for the month working on other projects, but I'm excited to be joined by two people who had a big hand in creating this film. Director Charles Mudede and screenwriter Lindy West. Thank you both for joining me. Thank you. Thanks so much. Charles, first question is for you. Yeah. I gave a brief description of the movie, but I wanted to hear I wanted to hear from you. How would you describe Thin Skin? What is it about to you? It's a lot of things, actually, because a lot of people were involved in it. And, you know, the story is uh, is myself, uh, of course. And the story is Aham, the main star and the person who um, is the inspiration for the story. The story is also Lindy, Lindy West here. Uh, her soul and spirit is in it. And uh, the story is also the cinematographer. There's a lot of people. I sort of got together and I could say that, uh, um, you know, uh, for me, uh, what the result of all of this um, investment, um, creative investment primarily, uh, um, is a work that I, I think um, captures uh, Seattle in an original manner and, um, and a- introduces new voices. To the Seattle complex, and and finally, um, it's a movie. If you sit down, I always tell people 
don't don't watch this movie with the expectation of uh of what's going to happen next. Always watch it with a sense of like um and enjoy the moment in which you're in. We're always being told to like wait for the next thing to unfold, and I'm always say, don't miss anybody here. Absorb them because each one was written with the sense of this person is important. Yes. And I've seen it. So to the audience, I would say, you don't know what to expect. They're not going to know what's right. coming. You're, you're definitely going to have to. Yeah. You're going to go on this journey. You're going to be taken somewhere. Um, Lindy, I want to ask you the same thing. What would you say the movie is about to you? Uh, it's about family. I think um, as we, you know, this is a true story. All of this really happened to Aham. And um, it's based on a stage musical that he wrote. Um, and as we were working on the adaptation, we added all this fictional stuff, like a fictional girlfriend and a, you know, fictional mm. comedy competition he was trying to get into and all this sort of stuff. And it just wasn't working. And when it really started to click was when we scaled it back to what was in the stage show. And more specifically, when we realized that Aham's family, his relationship with his mom and his sister was really the the heart of what we were making. And then as soon as we organized it around that idea, everything clicked into place and, and it became the, you know, what it was supposed to be. Um, and so I guess to me, it's about, the way that that's the only thing that matters, you know, like no matter what's going on in your life, um, the people that you surround yourself with and, um, you know, who are actually there to take care of you day to day, that's what matters. And, and the, the title of a home stage show was, it was called now I'm fine. And it was about that same concept. Like, you know, everything in my life might be chaos, but like right in this moment, I'm fine. Like I'm alive in this moment. And you can live like that moment to moment. And the, a thing that makes that possible is, is the people around you and, you know, the people who've been with you your whole life and, and really building community and leaning on the people that love you. Yeah. And so we sort of drifted away from the original, which didn't really have a romance in it. And so it was a return to the uh, stage. And, uh, and, and a good part of that was... Um, was actually Lindy, which was needed, right? And, you know, we often, like, think, like, you know, why is it important to have a variety of voices when you're working? Because sometimes, right, two guys can just go off in the wrong direction <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then receive a, a good correction, and it was. And I remember going back after we sort of decided and saying, why didn't, of course, this is not a romance. This, there shouldn't be any of that stuff. This is, a, this is a story about the family, like it was in the states, but it took a it took a it took a group think with Lindy leading it to come to that to come to terms. And I think the film is all the all the better. I think it would have flopped. I would have not liked it if we had actually made the the version before uh, Lindy went on to become a, a co-writer on the script. I think that it would have not been as interesting. Yeah. I mean, the problem was that because the story has to sort of climax in this extreme isolation for a hom you had to get rid of the girlfriend at some point so either she had to be horrible 
or Aham had to be horrible to her, you know, like, and it just both versions felt bad mm-hmm. and like kind of gratuitously cruel to this woman that we invented. <laughs> I will say the only part I miss from the girlfriend is that in the original script, uh, Charles, I wonder how you feel about this. In the original script, the scene where Aham, once he's already, he's already gotten sick and he's getting sicker and sicker, and then he rolls over in bed and blood pours out of his mouth originally it poured out all over the girlfriend oh i know you you invented her to pour blood on her (laughs) yeah 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 now it's on the pillow but but it was a a great a great it was a great scene yeah yeah and now it's on a pillow and uh and so the ghost is still there yeah yeah well i like that i like him not having that romantic partner because for me watching this story i felt like there were ghosts kind of looming right like the the ghost of his father that's hovering the the ghost of his ex-wife his mom still has the connection to his ex-wife he can't uh split the bank accounts like her her presence is there but we don't Mm -hmm. meet her that's our real that's us <laughs> like that's us like there's so many people every day that walk around and we have these ghosts of people that mm-hmm. kind of loom over our lives so i love that lindy um in in the film we see aham lives with his sister Ijeoma throughout the movie as does his mom as does his children but we we see how he kind of pokes at each other you know his sister and and his sister has moments with the mom you know leonard no the black guy from my work well i don't even remember what we were talking about but he was trying to tell me i don't understand what it's like to be black and i was like honey if you only knew mom you don't understand what it's like to be black i was married to a black guy for seven years remember i'm a black widow I, I definitely know as much as you do was it difficult for you uh to, to have that honest portrayal of family considering that those those are your your in-laws right like <laughs> like Ijeoma is playing a version of herself did it did it make it difficult for you as a writer to have to write those scenes no it was really fun <laughs> um you know it's 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 true and it isn't um it's it's real and it's not you know uh it's sort of obviously these are heightened fictionalized versions of these real people um i will say a lot of the stories that the the mom character susan tells are real things that my mother-in-law has said (laughs) Um, that can't that can't be true lindy are you sure oh renege and i don't mean anything racist by that what? Oh, you know, Renique, because it's short for rain. No, no, no. That is not what that word means. That was all. real. Oh, that's a real. That's real. That's from. That was in a Hom's stand-up, like in 2010. Like, I mean, before that, probably. That's like that. She really said that. I mean, she, but like, <laughs> she's, she's like a, she's a true, like. There's never any malice. She is a, a true eccentric and a really, really wonderful person who is like really trying her best to navigate 
the world the right way. And um, and she's so wacky. Like <laughs> she is always coming at you with something totally out of context that makes no sense. And so that was really fun. Like we, you can't help but love my mother-in-law. And um, also when it became clear that Ijoma needed to be a bigger character, it was fun to, it felt good to give Ijoma more to do. And especially when we decided that Ijoma was going to play herself. Uh, you know, Ijoma has a very different relationship with their father and the story of their father and their experience of having that phone call with him and their mother's feeling, you know, Ijoma's feelings about all of that is really different from the way that Aham felt about it. And you can see, like, I feel like we honor that in the movie. Ijoma's not starstruck by this magic guy that, um, you know, to Aham seems like this mythical figure uh, that he's yearning to, you know, make proud like Ijoma has always been like that guy sucks wow. <laughs> you know um in a in a of course I don't want to speak for her but that's you know she, she's always been a lot more um cautious than Aham as like a little boy being like oh my god I'm gonna talk to my dad and I think that that was such an important perspective in the story and it's just as valid as Aham's perspective and obviously this is you know, the three of us writing this role for Ijoma to play, you know, this fictionalized version of herself. Of course, I'm sure it's nowhere near what she would write for herself. Um, but I hope she approves <laughs> of what we did. I, I really mm -hmm. think that, that Ijoma is really the heart of the story in so many ways. You know, she's keeping everything grounded. She's keeping everyone afloat. She's keeping everyone housed. She's taking care of Aham emotionally. I love watching in the phone call scene, watching Ijoma watch Aham on the phone. And you can tell that she knows that this isn't going to go the way that Aham wants. And you can you can see her heart breaking. And the fact that I think she plays that so beautifully in the film, and that's something they really experienced. You know, that's that scene. They lived that scene. It's just like such a complicated spectrum of feelings and memories. And I, I, I'm just, it was an honor to get to write her character. She's an amazing person. Mm -hmm. I feel like there was a culmination of everything that you're saying in the moment. You see brother and sister, you see how they react. Um, it, it was, that was a tough one with Aham, especially because it seemed like his father's words were so important to him and he hadn't heard from his father. But when he tells him that being a musician isn't a real job, he never seemed to be able to, to break away from that. Um, and it also felt like a cultural thing because in the bar, when they, they meet the Nigerian man, Instead of reaffirming him, he tells him the same thing. No, that, that that's mm -hmm. not a job. And I, I'm curious, do you think that that tells a common story for the child of an absent father, especially one from another country that has such a different culture where he can't even understand that someone would want to be an artist? Yeah, you know, I was... Uh... 
uh, I was sort of brought up in that world myself, uh, coming from Zimbabwe. And, um, you know, there was uh, a lot of people don't sort of appreciate, you know, we always see sort of like this one dimensional side of, of, our, of, 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 of different cultures in Africa is of no exception. And so it was um, it was just to let people know that here that 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 Africans often black Africans I should say, which is what I prefer to call them because they're white Africans as well. But black Africans can be kind of conservative at times, right? And everybody wants to have get a you know a respectable job. So for uh, a little context that's in the stage show that doesn't exactly make it into the movie. Um, so Aham's parents met when his dad was here in the States getting his PhD, getting his doctorate. And they got married. They were together for seven years. They had two kids. And then he left and he just was supposed to be going back to Nigeria to visit. And then he was going to come back. And actually he was supposed to bring Susan and the kids back to Nigeria to live. But he was a politician. And what happened was his party lost power. So basically he didn't, he suddenly didn't have the money. He didn't have the job. He didn't have the influence and he was kind of embarrassed and ashamed. And then he just never contacted them again. And so Susan, who has this like amazing optimistic heart was just always like, no, 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 he's going to come back. And so, you know, what's so heartbreaking is, and this I think does come through in the film uh, like uh, Aham was a little kid and he was like oh no my dad my dad didn't abandon us he you know my dad's a, a powerful chief who's gonna come back and and get us anytime now and like he believed that for a really really long time and you know sort of gradually became clear that wasn't true um and then uh until they had this phone call and he just had so much writing on this phone call and then it's what charles was saying like you know aham's father ahamani joma's father was a politician in nigeria and he was a community leader and he didn't i don't think there was there is even a path really to be a full-time musician you know you're supposed to want to get a get a doctorate and you know join the party or whatever (laughs) so that's a little of the context that is in the stage show but it's just um it's just heartbreaking you know and it came through it came through in the film and i think like we, we 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 laughed at some of the funnier moments with their mom but the forgiveness that she had definitely came through but i want to shift because this movie is really funny (laughs) um i I really liked aham's relationship with his boss who manages with what looks like a a call center she's definitely very supportive of aham in a way that i don't think he even wanted to be supported we built this country built the white house invented peanut butter let not be forgotten, amen. Um, what did you need me for? Did I do something wrong? Oh, or? no, no, no. We're just hanging out. 
I like to connect with all my people, especially when they're my people, you know. It was funny, but it, it really, it felt real. It looked like a real slice of office life in Seattle. Charles, I'm curious, did you and Aham talk about how to portray both the humor and the strain of, of living and working as an artist in Seattle? Yeah, we did extensively. And uh, also that character that came out of also uh, uh, Aham's world, um, that, that person was real. But I was, uh, we were sort of looking at sort of like uh, those kinds of jobs where the spirit is completely um, absent, right? Where all joy is absent and how people sort of try to, um, to make sense of it, right? In one way or another. And for his boss, it was through um, keeping faith, right? Everybody has to deal with it in some way or another. And so I, you know, we sort of approached uh, that, that character in that way. And I, as a child, I sort of grew up in, um, uh, my, my father was a pastor in, in rural Maryland. And so I was very, very much raised in the, in the, in the, in the Black American church tradition. A huge part of it was about empowerment in the most difficult situation. And so that's what I wanted to, it was almost, um, it was almost a respect and, and yet at the same time, right? Right. A, uh, a realization of how comic, <laughs> the comic situations that we, that, that often we find ourselves in and having to, you know, to create meaning. But yeah, we did, we spent a lot of time on that. That, that was one of my favorite of, uh, of, 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 of Harm's characters. Lindy, how did you and Aham consider Seattle as the setting when you were working on the script? Like, it didn't really feel like the city was a character, but we did we did get glimpses of the city. It actually, a lot of those moments felt really quiet. Like, he's with his daughters and he's walking through the city or he's on the bus, but, you know, we're, we're looking out the window of the bus and, and seeing the city go by. How did you guys talk about how to portray Seattle as the setting? Uh, I mean, all of it ha really happened in Seattle. So that was sort of an easy choice. And also, Aham and I both are, are really, truly from Seattle. We both lived here our whole lives. Um, and we're very rooted here. And Seattle doesn't get um, portrayed on screen that often. You know, uh, you will have other cities filling in for Seattle with a shot of the space needle plonked at the beginning. Um, it, it's very rare that something's actually shot here and Seattle means so much to both of us and to Charles. And it, we had the opportunity to figure out how to make this movie here. And there was just no question about it. I mean, like I made a, I made three seasons of a TV show on Hulu with a huge budget and I lobbied so hard to shoot it in Seattle and they were like no. They said no. <laughs> they were like, no. Yeah, they said no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They said it had to be Portland. Um or, you know, or Vancouver. And I picked Portland. <laughs> um but you know the so that was really important to us. Just the the opportunity to get our beautiful city um on camera. 
with Charles's beautiful eye. And also it's a portrait of South Seattle, which is a part of Seattle that if you do see Seattle on film, you're not seeing the Central District. You're not seeing, uh, you know, the the International District. And you're not seeing Beacon Hill, which are basically all of the locations we shot at and all the stuff on the bus. You know, you're going down Jackson Street. Uh, it's it's the part of Seattle that we spend our lives in and that we love and that you just don't get a chance to see. And Charles, I know, has lots of thoughts about this and can be more eloquent than me about it. <laughs> no, that was eloquent. I, I love no, the scene of Jackson never. in the fog. Jackson, the fogged Jackson was beautiful. I love how we didn't just get slapped in the face with the space needle, but we seen it on a reflection of the building. But to <laughs> yes. me, it, it, it didn't feel like a portrait of Seattle. It felt like a portrait of an artist who lived in Seattle. Yeah. Yeah, no, I can't add to I mean, I think that what Lindy said is correct. Uh, we're all, we're very really steeped in the, in the, in the, in the city and its colors and it's right it's impressions that fog was in that morning and uh was so happy for it to be there because uh yeah if it, i would have lost a little magic if it wasn't so seattle was seattle came out and played itself well <laughs> and showed up at the set and said yep yeah, what do you want now? Do you want some fog? Oh, we can. Seattle yeah. can give you fog. We can give you fog. We can give you. Gray. I'll give you. I'll give you some fog. How thick do you want it? I said, you can do it. Thin-skinned director and screenwriter Charles Mudede and screenwriter Lindy West. Thank you both for joining me. Thank you. Thank, thank, thank you, you so much. Thin Skin is available via video on demand. For more information. Go to thinskinmovie.com. I'm Mike Davis. You're listening to Soundside. And you're listening to Soundside on KUOW. And this is Giving Tuesday, which is a day when nonprofits like KUOW ask you, our community, to support the causes that you care about. The vital news and information that KUOW delivers is made possible by listeners like you. You are our largest and most reliable source of funding. And thank you to the Rainier Institute and Foundation, because all gifts today will be doubled up to $150,000, thanks to their generosity. So today, your impact is doubled on this Giving Tuesday. Go ahead, go to KUOW.org slash donate to make your gift. Uh, may I suggest the monthly level of $12 a month, which will get you this Listen Local tote with a brand new local art uh, design on the front. It's got a radio. It's got an orca whale. It's got a Sasquatch, of course, and it's a great gift for anybody this holiday season. That's at the $12 a month level. But of course, any amount is much appreciated on Giving Tuesday. KUOW.org slash donate. And thanks.